online as well. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we start. You should be able to find, if you're in the room, one of these codes around. You can scan that and put your questions to me. I will get them all on my tablet here uh, for our experienced panellists to answer. We won't take questions from the floor. We'll just do it in a more democratic way so that the online audience gets the same chance as those of you here in the room. If you prefer not to scan the code, you can just go to slido.com and put in 5G connectivity as the name of the event. Now, before we get into the meat of the discussion, I'm very pleased to have joining us remotely to give us some opening remarks. Peter Oko is Deputy Minister for Digitalisation and Innovation at the Ministry of Industry and Trade of the Czech Republic. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, tell us why this is so important. <laughs> so good morning to everyone. Uh, it's my great pleasure to be uh, part of this uh, great discussion, and uh, it's also my pleasure to uh, actually say uh, say uh, some greetings uh, to you from uh, uh, Czech um, uh, International Engineering Fair in Brno, that is the second biggest city in uh, in uh, Czech Republic. And uh, maybe you can see behind me, uh, I'm sitting at the Czech uh, National Pavilion that is uh, uh, for this half of year in the, in the colors of uh, Czech uh, presidency of the EU. So, of course, Czech presidency is, is a big topic for us. But uh, also I w w wanted to mention that uh, we have um, uh, uh, great collaboration with uh, uh, industry here at the engineering fair and we are part of uh, uh, of um, another exposition, exposition that is called Digital Factory 2.0, and we are actually virtually connected to this uh, uh, this stage. And one more point I want to say that, that we are happy that we were also able to organize uh, in a co coordination and cooperation with our industry uh, a 5G standalone network here, and we have a few of nice, few nice uh, applications uh, of uh, how 5G can uh, help to to the industry, uh, including uh, 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 automotive mobility, uh, including uh, uh, actually predictive maintenance, and a few others. And this is, I think, a very important point because uh, actually we need to show what 5G can serve for, how it's uh, uh, useful, how the companies can benefit, how the citizens can benefit. And this is something what we are trying uh, to do here. Uh, and uh, maybe also what I think is important, I'm uh, sorry, uh, uh, mentioning it already in the beginning, but I think it's very important. We are trying uh, to do awareness raising also from the uh, position of the state. So this is the first day and the first conference where, where we can announce that we have produced a new, uh, new publication that is called uh, uh, 5G Networks <coughs> for the Industry. And uh, we will distribute it to the, especially to SMEs, uh, to actually um, show them what is possible with 5G. And a few more words on the Czech presidency uh, in relation to 5G and the connectivity. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's generally, digital, digital agenda is uh, uh, one of the highest priorities of the Czech presidency of the, uh, of the EU. Um, uh, we are very happy that uh, we, could, uh, we can announce already one, uh, one uh, small but very, on the other hand, very important success in the digital agenda and uh, it is uh, actually the consensus on digital decade policy program that was actually done in July uh, together with Parliament and trilogues. And um, uh, digital decade policy program is a very important, uh, important uh, piece of legislation that actually sets the main goals of the EU in the digital, uh, the digital agenda and also puts in place 
some mechanisms how to achieve the goals. And I think this is really, really important. And we were a little bit missing that uh, in the previous years. Of course, digital decade policy program is not the only priority. Uh, we have a lot of other priorities like Data Act, uh, Artificial Intelligence Act. And uh, we uh, definitely are looking forward to work on uh, Connectivity Infrastructure Act uh, that um, that is uh, to be actually published uh, uh, now. And um, this is definitely something we would like to uh, advance um, uh, as much as possible in a few months that, uh, that uh, actually remain until the end of our uh, presidency. We have a lot of other priorities, cybersecurity, um, of course, uh, a lot of our priorities are influenced by uh, the uh, Russian aggression at Ukraine. That is uh, also very, very relevant to what we are actually uh, discussing here. Uh, maybe uh, one of the points that is uh, possibly good to raise is the disinformation. And the disinformation is actually connected to 5G and, uh, and the uh, current crisis. And um, for example, in the Czech Republic, and uh, probably the experience from other countries is very similar, that uh, actually the same groups that uh, were actually spreading the 5G disinformation, 5G fake news, are actually now spreading the disinformation related to Ukraine. So the, actually the origins uh, are the same, and, um, and we need to actually uh, work, uh, work with that uh, much more intensively than before. So this is also one of the things that uh, the Czech presidency is focusing on. And two weeks ago, we had a big conference in Prague on disinformation. I think for the beginning, it's uh, it's enough. So uh, I will stay here, and uh, I I am looking forward for a successful and interesting panel. Thank you very much, Pedro. Thank you, and for joining us there. Um, perhaps you could give us a sense: Is there any particular sector that's standing out in the conversations you're having there around 5G? I'm thinking maybe automotive or med tech or something like that. Do you hear a singular message, or is it quite quite varied? Actually, I, I cannot say it's uh, it's uh, one uh, only one um, area where uh, that I could. Uh, uh, mention, of course, in Czech Republic, we are very much automotive country, so actually autonomous mobility is uh, really high, uh, high on the agenda. But uh, but we are also industrial country, so we uh, we we hear a lot of uh, uh, of interest in uh, in uh, IoT uh, solutions for for like smart smart machinery, uh, and as I said, also predictive maintenance is uh, is. Uh, uh, it's a big topic here because it can save you a lot of money. Uh, and, and, and the topic that is, of course, here um, is uh, how can uh, uh, 5G, but also the other digital technologies, help us to save uh, save energy. Of course, uh, uh, we are now in the situation of really high energy prices. So uh, any solution that uh, helps uh, to, to, to actually decrease the consumption of energy um, is uh, is very much welcomed by, by by the industry and and we have a few nice nice solutions uh, actually uh, uh, at the at the fair um, here. Well, thank you very much, Peter. We will. I hope you will enjoy the rest of the panel. But I'll turn now and introduce you to the rest of our speakers. We have next to me Peter <coughs> Stuckman, who is head of unit and deputy director of future networks within DG Connect in the European Commission. Uh, joining remotely, we see online Svetlina Penkova, who is an MEP and member of the ITRA committee, which is most interesting for us today here in the European Parliament. Uh, 
Philippe uh, Batista is a councillor of Digital Telecom at the Parmesan representation of Portugal to the EU. Uh, Matthias Bauer also joining us remotely is director at ESIP and Jakob Greiner is vice president of European Affairs at Deutsche Telekom. Thank you all for joining us. Now, we heard there uh, from the minister that this question of Ukraine, the question of the energy crisis and so on have been coming up as well. Um, if the last few years of permacrisis have thought us anything, it's that we do need 5G. We, knew, we saw it with COVID, we, we're seeing it now. Um, it's essential for the European economy, but there are bottlenecks, uh, Peter. Where do you see them and where do they need to be eased and what can be done about that? Thanks a lot for the invitation. Very nice to be here in the physical panel. It feels very nice and nice to see you all. Uh, yeah, what we, are we doing in this context? Um, so Peter already mentioned the, uh, the digital decade car targets. I think that's very much in the spirit of the uh, next gen EU uh, addressing the crisis that you were mentioning. So we really tried to uh, take all the measures we can to uh, stimulate this investment. Uh, so of course, private investments or the framework conditions. We can talk about a bit later what, uh, what we can do there. And of course, also to have an inclusive investment, and there, of course, the public funding also uh, is relevant. So Next Gen EU is very much into that spirit. But um, sources available at member state level, so we have to work together um, to have a joint effort here. Um, then, of course, when we look at the targets, we have to look a bit more in detail. I, I saw the interesting presentation before. Uh, on also on 5G coverage, how this is developing. What we found also in the 5G observatory is we have to look a bit more closer. What kind of 5G is it and what do we want? Yeah? So, of course, coverage for everyone is the headline target. But then what is interesting also, what is the step change? Uh, you mentioned the wow effect. So if we, uh, if we have 66% uh, coverage already today, but maybe if you look at the real 5G that brings us, or we can call it gigabit 5G maybe, uh, it's maybe only a 20%. And then also the industrial transformation. Um, how are we progressing in terms of deployments of standalone, uh, enabling new uh, critical applications? Um, so this is about um, stimulating that, working with the member states. We have the digital decade policy cycle that we now, uh, after the adoption of the program, can do from next year. That we're reporting on that, that we're working with the member states, uh, giving recommendations and, and seeing what measures we can take. And then in terms of measures, of course, we know the main construction sites, the spectrum, its uh, deployment barriers, and maybe also we can talk about the market conditions and uh, how we can improve the uh, investment environment. Thank you. Svetlina, let me turn to you and get a sense from you where you think the biggest gaps are and where they could be made up, uh, not just the low-hanging fruit, even the more difficult questions as well. I think you might be on mute. Classic. <laughs> yeah. uh, still can't quite hear you. Is this fine now? Yes, it is. Fantastic. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I think the matter is of uh, high importance, what we're discussing at the moment. I'm going to try to not repeat everything that has been said by the predecessing speakers already. Um, but um, I'm, I'm in uh, Strasbourg at the moment. We have a pretty important plenary session. You've mentioned in the beginning that the committee is probably in the spotlight for everyone because they're quite significant 
matters we are deciding on then they decide so that's what i want to connect uh, with basically what we've heard so far in uh, a speech we we just had like an hour ago uh, in the plenary by um ursula von der Leyen when she re-emphasized the need for um resilience and security when we speak about the energy infrastructure i'm not going to go into details to explain the, the specific examples i'm sure we all know what uh, she was talking about but I'm just going to shift that and um, put the spotlight here as well when we speak about connectivity. We need a resilient and secure infrastructure as well, especially when we want to secure uh, the, the proper 5G connectivity that's going to benefit both our consumers and our businesses. And um, you've asked about what are the bottlenecks. Well, um, probably here is the one I see as the most uh, significant one. It's exactly in the infrastructure in Europe. Because uh, Europe is lagging behind when we speak about the proper 5G infrastructure. And uh, this is simply if we look at the comparison basis. Like even if we look at um, our, our partners um, across the ocean, like um, in the US, for instance, uh, they're much more ahead in terms of uh, having the proper 5G infrastructure. And uh, despite all the policies and the recommendation we are doing, uh, we are still behind. The proper question here is why this is the case. I'm sure we know the answer and I'm sure the, the colleagues from the panel would also elaborate uh, much more on that. But I think it's important to have that signal also coming from the regulator because we appreciate and we understand why there is a, there is a difficulty there. And this is simply due to the fact that the European um, telecom market it is uh, rather more fragmented than the US, which basically means that we have much more competition here when we're speaking about old services. This ends up in a less profit for the telecom companies to be able to properly invest in, uh, in that infrastructure and develop it further. So this is basically the situation now. However, knowing it doesn't help us resolve it at the moment. So um, as um, European institutions who are regulating that and trying to promote and understanding the need for better connectivity, we need to be thinking of ways of how we can provide the proper funding for that infrastructure to happen faster and better. Because we cannot change the shape of the market. And to be honest, the more competitive and the better consumer price for the European market is something we've been striving for so this is not to be changed however we need to acknowledge that fact and be able to guarantee a way to um to create this infrastructure without this being only at the expense of the telcos which uh, are uh, providing better prices for the consumers and uh, for that reason they're not having enough additional profit to invest in the infrastructure and here the questions, uh, the Parliament and the Commission have to, to try to find the answers. What is the way to finance that infrastructure? There have been many discussions uh, also in the Parliament, uh, some of them uh, initiated also by the political group I'm representing in terms of the uh, in terms of the additional corporate tax for international companies operating on the European market, the companies which are actually quite heavy in terms of data generation that are driving the main consumption and that are mainly using that infrastructure. So they have to be, uh, I was thinking about the big techs, I'm not going to name them, but I, I know that uh, all of us here um, know which ones I'm talking about. They also have to, uh, to contribute uh, in monetary terms in the installation of that 5G infrastructure that would guarantee the connectivity. 
because at the moment it seems a bit unfair to switch the whole burden to the telecoms and not having enough burden in terms of funding requirements to the companies, which are actually the main users of that infrastructure, and they're generating their more their profits mostly by the uh, due to the fact that there is a better connectivity and they can provide better services for their consumers. So I'm just putting that as um, as a probably as a point of thinking or discussion. Uh, and I'm sure I'm going to hear more from the other panelists. And uh, during the debate, when we get into more specifics, I will be happy to intervene again. Thank you very much. Philippe, um, one suggestion there that the major bottleneck is infrastructure. What's your view on, on where the, the problems lie? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I pretty much agree with uh, what Peter has just explained. But uh, to be honest, uh, and to overcome this problem of investment, I think we need smarter investment and focus investment. And so the way we started, and I think the presentation that we had before this panel uh, was very clear, and, and uh, I think it will rest my case, is that the focus uh, uh, shouldn't be on the users. And you started by saying that um, uh, 5G is very important. It is, without a doubt, but not for humans, not for us. We lived perfectly well without the 5G. And I mean, I read an article the other day where uh, uh, this old lady was ex trying to, someone was trying to explain to this old lady uh, the benefits of the 5G. And so at the end of the day, she could download a movie 10 seconds faster than with 4G. And well, great, what I'm going to do with those 10 seconds? Huh? Pretty much nothing. On the other hand, a machine can do a lot. So I think the focus, and we put a lot of pressure on the operators, and uh, I have to take my hat off to, to the operators, because when we need them, they delivered. Uh, during the pandemics, during the COVID crisis, everyone was freaking out, networks are going to fall down, we're going to be out on the black. And the fact is that we all were at our places, doing a lot of streaming, doing a lot of uh, uh, video calls, and they prevailed, and they delivered what they are supposed to deliver. So. I think the bottleneck is the focus of the deployment of the 5G. Uh, and of course, I understand the operators, they, they will focus on the users because it's the fastest income and revenue that they're going to have on the massive investments that they have to do. But as it was shown on the presentation, this story is going to turn on the other way around because the income of families are decreasing. Well, uh, inflation is there and we're losing money every day. Uh, and we saw also the most important key element of, of this topic is that the productivity uh, that comes from uh, uh, the operators or the sector is, is the, the biggest contribution to the GDP in Europe. So if we change the focus, not only on the deployment, but also on the focus of, uh, of the, the 5G uh, uh, goal into the industry, into agriculture, into all the other sectors, I think we can flip this game around and may, maybe cut, which is, in my opinion, one of the biggest bottlenecks. Matthias, um, let's bring you in and get your sort of first opening thoughts on, on where challenges might lie. Yeah, so first of all, many thanks for the invitation uh, to speak at today's uh, conference. Um, so first of all, uh, my impression is actually that Europe is doing particularly well uh, compared to our jurisdictions, particularly Western Europe, when it comes to broadband coverage, but also the rollout of 5G. Sure, we see gaps, 
um, and, then, and they need to be close when it comes to the rollout of fiber and also um, upgraded 5G technologies. And there are country-specific differences, uh, of course, in the adoption of new 5G technologies. Uh, and these differences can be explained by regulation. It was referred to it, but it can also be explained by country-specific characteristics like landscape compared to the Netherlands and Austria, for example. And there are differences, and this is reflected by the implementation of the Broadband Cost Reduction Act. There are differences in the sense of urgency in individual member states at sub-federal level and municipality level. So my, my perspective is that there is no real sense of urgency, let alone um, an ambition for global leadership. The obligations of the Broadband Cost Reductions Act, uh, they are all too often not met by the local authorities with regard to permits. I mean, this is a problem that has been uh, uh, mentioned and highlighted several times. And I think this needs to be addressed by uh, the uh, Infrastructure Connectivity Act in a, in a much better way than before, including by enforcement powers. Um, so the EU and the member states as well, they could do, of course, much more to improve the conditions for 5G deployment, also upgraded the real fast 5G techniques by making sure, for example, that permit periods are short, permits are cheap, but they should also be aware about the cost of carriers, the input costs for their networks, uh, 5G components, and ensure, for example, that there will be technological openness in the future when it comes to network components. And here I'm talking about components sourced from within the EU, Nokia, Ericsson, but also components sourced from competitive companies outside of the EU. Uh, at the same time, regulators and also the incumbent companies, they should appreciate openness in mobile networks, especially when it comes to open run technologies, which we know create massive cost reductions and also promote innovation in downstream markets like cloud and edge computing services. When it comes to telecoms investment, uh, which is actually the, the focal subject of this debate, I don't see a lack of capital, to be honest. Uh, sure, profit margins are comparatively low if you compare them to what we see in the United States. Average returns per user are relatively low in EU as well. But at the same time, many companies, um, incumbent uh, companies in the telecoms market, uh, including the largest telecoms companies that we see here in the EU, um, they first of all, expand beyond their domestic markets. And at the same time, they pay pretty high dividend payments. Uh, and on an annual basis, we are talking about billions of dividends that are being paid to shareholders, including government shareholders. It was mentioned that consolidation could be a boon. I tend to agree, but I think there are concerns, legitimate concerns in a way by regulators about competition and the impact of prices and quality of services. And admittedly, even though we know from the US that consolidation in a very large market can have positive impacts on coverage and also the quality of services and related services, 
the true implications from consolidation in the EU are pretty hard to, to, to estimate, Exanta. So on a positive note, I would say that all in all, for the majority of EU markets, 5G rollout will very soon be comparable to what we see at the global benchmark. And this is 90, 95% coverage in China and the US. And I'm actually much less concerned about delays in 5G rollout. I am much more concerned about delays in groundbreaking applications and industry use cases in the EU. Uh, we all know that European companies are lagging behind large markets like China and the US in many areas of the digital economy. In innovation, experimenting with new business models, in companies that have successfully managed to really scale across the EU and also become internationally competitive. And there are many problems that I can back, get back to later, but I want to highlight again that in the EU we have 24 different official languages. The EU is not a single country. It won't be a single country in the future. Uh, we don't even have a single large single market, you know, that can compare with uh, the US, China, or Brazil, um, or India for that sake. And at the same time, we see that regulators' appetite for innovation, including EU institutions' appetite for innovation, is there on paper, but often policies are being implemented at the EU level, I would even say less so at the national level, that actually undermine international trade, international investment, and innovation in internet applications. Thank you. Jakob, um, you're last to speak on this, but uh, give us your, your overview and then you can start reacting to everything we've heard. There's a lot to get through. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer, and thanks a lot for uh, having me here. Um, first, to pick up maybe on the points uh, of some of the speakers before. Yes, of course, we are, of course, user-driven when it comes to 5G. Uh, and I want to pick up what Peter said about um, real 5G, not 5G. I think you were hinting towards standalone, non-standalone. What I found striking in the report is that among probably a, a bouquet of factors of bottlenecks, why we are lagging behind, uh, one of them is that consumers seem to be quite happy with uh, 4G and uh, and are apparently <coughs> slower to pick up on on upgrades uh, than, than other um, uh, world regions. And we see this a little bit indeed in that sense that um, when it comes to the, you know, the, the capabilities of 5G, network slicing, low latency, this is something especially where we want to attract B2B and businesses. And this is also something to pick up what Matthias said, that indeed um, this is only to begin now to, th these business models are beginning to roll out where we're not yet there and there's still of course also room for for telcos to step up uh, their game but that means we deliberately also uh, took the choice to uh, not roll out everywhere standalone 5g simply because it's not really yet asked for by consumers but it will eventually very soon come um, coming now to the regulation because we're sitting in brussels we need to talk about regulation and oftentimes it's a bottleneck in the good in the bad or in both ways i see four areas good or bad uh, that that we need to uh, take into account when we're talking about keeping up um, at this level or trying to keep up with our competitors uh, two of them um, is um, what i would call an evergreen because we're talking about this since years and uh, that shows me it's not been solved peter sp spoke about it one is spectrum 
One is consolidation. Why are we still talking about spectrum? Because we still have high, high, high prices in member states. We still have a very fragmented approach to spectrum auctions, spectrum auction designs, partly artificially increasing even spectrum prices by reducing the available spectrum for, um, for operators. And I still don't see um, the licensing conditions um, uh, fair and appropriate today. What we want is long licensing periods. We want st stability uh, for spectrum, which we're still not having. So um, the code some years ago was a, was a big uh, effort uh, uh, to, to get uh, the ball rolling, but I would say on spectrum it was a bit of a missed chance. And, uh, and I think we're still going to talk about this in the years to come. The second one is consolidation. Why? Because it's still very, very difficult to get from four operators to three operators in a member state. And I think that's still a lot of operators in Europe. I, I, I'm not going to talk about the 100 versus the three. Well, I did now. But uh, in the end, that's, that's still um, a, a problem that we see to be solved, especially because Matthias talked about the, the single market and the different member states. If we ever want to pursue the vision of a European telecom single market, then consolidation or in-country consolidation is actually, in my opinion, the first step uh, if you ever want to, to become the, you know, get to the vision of the European Airbus of telecoms. Um, third one, and I'm very happy to talk about uh, this one, uh, and it has already been mentioned, is that we're still super slow in deployments. Uh, and that is the reason that we, again, have very, very fragmented bureaucratic approach to how fast we get mobile sites authorized. And that is still today the case if you look at, uh, at two countries where we happen to, to have in our footprint, Austria and Hungary, you see an authorization of a mobile site uh, happening in two months and in the other one, 24 months. And we want more of the two and less of the 24. And that's why we uh, really, really have high hopes for the famous Connectivity Infrastructure Act, the CIA. We like the word act, and we can mm. talk about it later, because for me it, it seems like it could be a regulation, which we highly would support, simply because we need harmonization in this administrative mess, if I may say it like this. And, and uh, the last point uh, has been picked up by, by MEP Panchova. Um, yes, uh, revenues, and we've seen this in the report, revenues are decreasing, stagnating, deployment costs are rising, and, uh, and uh, data is increasing. This is what Commissioner Breton calls the paradox. And uh, I have high confidence in, in policymakers in Brussels to discuss this paradox, which has been titled Fair Share or many other names. I'm sure we're going to talk about this a lot still next year, so it's maybe not the centerpiece of today's discussion. But uh, of course, it's one puzzle piece of many others to uh, improve the investment gap that we still definitely see. Well, it won't shock you to learn that uh, the first couple of questions come in uh, from the audience are on spectrum and on consolidation. So actually, Jakob, I'm going to straight away bounce back to you with a, a follow-up question from Philip Malloch, who's asking, uh, do you agree or does the panel agree um, that six companies having 50% market share show signs of the market not being competitive enough? Sorry, so can you say the question again? Six companies? Six companies. Having 50% of the market share means that the market is not competitive enough. <laughs> you know, I, I talked about the 100 operators. Uh, um, <laughs> we, we see um, 
when you look at other world regions, and we can discuss a lot about you know what's different there and in terms of investment revenues and so on, but when we look at the US and we see there are um, a, a very small number of operators for really a large uh, population, and you see what we uh, we have practiced in in Europe um, uh, over the last years, we we just don't think it's healthy because um, the feeling that we have when it comes to these four to three mergers and discussions. Um, we're not looking enough at the long-term benefits, and that's efficiency. And efficiency for operators means more investment. And investment is what we're lacking, and where the ambitions coming to the digital decade um, are very high. Instead, we're looking a lot at long, at short-term uh, incentives, being sure that the end-user prices are not going up. So competition is, of course, very much at, at the DNA of Europe. Uh, I don't want to contest that, but I still think there's room to rediscuss this, we, we see a lot of mergers being discussed at the moment. There will be a very, very big, uh, important decision coming up next year uh, uh, by the Court of Justice when it comes to Hutchinson O2 mm -hmm. that I think will might have some landmark consequences or not. We'll see. But I think it's, it's still important to discuss it um, because we feel um, there's room for improvement. Well, let me move then to another question as Dan Claes is asking, particularly, Peter, of you. It's, uh, we see access to dedicated 5G spectrum for private networks moving at different speeds. In Europe, UK and Germany leading the way, others following. I think we've all, all pretty much said that several times on this panel already. Um, but are there any plans for European policy driving availability uniformly with spectrum across the EU? Yes, that's of course a very important one. It comes back to the strengths and weaknesses. Huh? We said, I mean, industry, we have the potential, we have strong industry, but then we have fragmented. I mean, uh, one, uh, I think, made the comment we will stay, uh, will not be one state. And of course, we, we had efforts to harmonize as much as possible, or at least to make spectrum policy consistent. Uh, maybe starting with the point on private networks. Um, there, of course, it's, it depends also a bit of the, the demand of the member states. Germany decided to go ahead with uh, reserving some part in a very important band for private networks. Here, I think it's also time soon to look a bit what came out of that, what are the commercial services that we're seeing there developing, and that might be a good lesson, lesson learned. Of course, it's quite expensive experiment because it's really prime spectrum. Uh, but okay, that's that we will take. Uh, but certainly there might be opportunities when we look at new opportunities for spectrum in the future to do things together. Uh, especially if we talk maybe about spectrum that is a bit more local, where we have to be a bit more careful to sharing with other users, for example satellite. There might be some, some opportunities to think together and, and, and move uh, together. So I would always advocate to, uh, to have this common approach. Uh, and then, yeah, this can be done uh, as we do it today with RSPG, for example, to look, look at the different cases, to discuss best practices, but hopefully more European identity at that level as well in the future to have more commitment uh, to, to make this more consistent. So it will stay on our agenda. We, will, we tried it several times and we certainly will come back uh, in, in, in all opportunities to, make this, to enhance this uh, landscape of spectrum. Well, Svetlina, let me pick up... Um the question of infrastructure deployment and to take the pressure off the policymakers a little bit. Is there a sense where security becomes a bottleneck? Um, we talk about infrastructure security with cyber security as well. I mean, if we're going to use 5G for highly sensitive, uh, low latency, uh, necessary services like driverless cars, like 
med tech, like these things where it really is a matter of life and death. Surely the, the security of these uh, of, of, of infrastructure is of massive significance there as well and could be a delaying factor. Thank you. So I wouldn't um, I wouldn't define it as a potential for delay because uh, in the institutions and especially in the parliament, we do tend to, to have those things happening simultaneously. And the topic of cybersecurity has been uh, quite actively approached also in terms of regulations for the past 10 years uh, coming from the parliament as well. It is always on the table now when we're speaking about deployment and uh, new uh, infrastructure, as you rightfully pointed out. If it's going to be a concern and if we have to increase also the cautious, caution on that, yes, for sure. Um, especially the, the situation now, like with the, it was already mentioned uh, the, by, uh, by Jakob, the increased um, um, exchange and usage of data and uh, the geopolitical situation, which we shouldn't be ignoring, which uh, would also impact uh, the security of the network and the security of data in Europe is, uh, is uh, in the spotlight of the European Parliament and the negotiations, uh, sorry, and the regulations here. So yes, we are going to be revising the Cybersecurity Act coming soon. Uh, the process is uh, ongoing at the moment. Uh, so we are aware of that. I would just want to point out something as well, uh, which is crucially important uh, when we speak about cybersecurity. Yes, Europe is leading on that matter um, when it comes to proper regulatory framework. Um, however, in that sense, we see some of our partners lagging behind uh, from, uh, from the global market. So uh, we need to be better in encouraging them to take the necessary measures to ensure that. Because when we're speaking about um, data transfer and data usage, we cannot limit it only to the EU. And the fact that we are building up a secure and resilient network and uh, putting strong emphasis on cybersecurity doesn't mean that all of our uh, partners are putting so much emphasis on that as well. So we need to probably um, re-emphasize it more uh, when, we are, uh, when we are having those those, uh, those conversations and trying to promote our policies to be implemented uh, faster also across the borders of the EU. Uh, Outside as well, sorry, not only across. Thank you. Peter, let me bring you back in there as I know you've only got a few more minutes with us. Are there any of these topics you'd like to pick up on, whether it is consolidation, whether it is spectrum, whether it is security or infrastructure? Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks a lot. And I really have to excuse in a few minutes. It's uh, quite a busy, uh, busy day here, actually. Uh, maybe uh, I, I can uh, uh, mention one point that uh, that was uh, actually uh, not so much uh, uh, discussed here, and uh, uh, I think uh, that uh, we need to really have um, uh, quite uh, uh, extensive uh, and. Um, uh, focused support uh, uh, on the EU level uh, uh, in the in the sense of uh, financial incentives. I think uh, the EU goes a very good way. I am a, a big fan of uh, self digital. Uh, I am very uh, very much uh, very much uh, uh, happy about uh, uh, about um, the five G corridors uh, activity under under self digital. And in the Czech Republic, we have. 
uh, we have um, uh, a lot of uh, investments under our national recovery plan from the required resilience facility, focusing on 5G activities like 5G corridors on the national level, 5G peripheral areas. Uh, the, the problem we are discussing uh, every time is uh, is a state aid. It's uh, quite difficult to actually um, uh, get notification for some activities like uh, support for backhaul. Actually, we are discussing with the Commission for, for already two, for more than two years, and um, actually it's not clear uh, under uh, what rules actually we are actually able to uh, to uh, to support this this important activity. If we want to have uh, real 5G in uh, all the regions. We need to have strong uh, backhaul um, connectivity, and uh, uh, this is something where we actually uh, uh, have uh, difficult discussion, especially with the DG competition. We are very happy for uh, for the update uh, on uh, on uh, GBER on the general block exception regulation, uh, but uh, still it, it's not answer for everything. And I think uh, this is something where actually more clarity and uh, more focus and more emphasis could be uh, could be put on, uh, uh, and uh, of course, uh, uh, definitely any uh, any more support for uh, for deployment of uh, networks uh, from uh, from uh, from resources like SET, but also uh, next uh, uh, next generation funds uh, is uh, is, uh, is also uh very very important so that was one more point point i wanted to mention uh and i really have to excuse myself in three minutes uh so so apologies and thank you very much for inviting me here and thank you very much as well for for taking the time we can see it's busy there and we know hope you will convey our greetings to everyone who's involved as well um philippe let me come back to you um let's talk a little bit about the Connectivity Infrastructure Act, the CIA, as we're going to call it from now on. What's, what do you think will be the benefits? What are the possibilities, if we like, be optimistic for a change? Well, for sure we need it. Uh, and I'm happy that the Commission will come out with the with Act instead of a directive, because uh, during our presidency, we had the chance to work on the connectivity toolbox, and it was pretty clear. And I mean, in the case of Portugal, pretty much uh, uh, relaxed because uh, uh, we did uh, quite a good job in terms of uh, uh, fiber deployment uh, all over the country. But um, during that uh, that uh, work that we did during the presidency, working with the Commission and also our German colleagues to deliver the 5G uh, uh, connectivity toolbox, uh, the connectivity toolbox, sorry. Um, we managed to see there was a lot of gaps as well. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's a good thing that we now have a more binding uh, uh, act to, to member states. Although this doesn't mean that has, it's gonna be black and white. Because at the same time, uh, and this is something that I wanted to, to bring at the beginning of my intervention and taking what my colleague just said here. Um, we also need to uh, reshuffle and rethink the way that we deliver the policies, but also the regulators, because the market had changed. And we heard, for instance, from the MEP talking about uh, uh, the, the chipping of uh, uh, the big techs or the content providers. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, uh, the mentality has to be everyone will chip in, but everyone will take 
everyone will take something out of it. And we need a new balance for that. We need uh, probably a more aggressive uh, uh, act from the Commission in terms of making a reality, connectivity a reality, and the goals of Gigabyte Society to, to, to become reality. But at the same time, we have to find an in-between compromise between the regulators and the operators, because, I mean, spectrum is not the problem, is the way I see it. I think the, the biggest problem is to find new models of financing the investments. And for instance, it doesn't make any sense for me to ask for billions of euros for a license uh, when we know after that license has been issued, they're going to only invest where the revenue is going to come as fast as they can. So it has to be a balance between the price we ask and the commitments that the operators are willing to, to, to put on the table. Not only the operators, but also the other companies or the other stakeholders that can profit from the digital networks. Well, Matthias, let me bring you in on that point as well to see um, how much or, or how to what degree you agree or disagree. I, I do actually agree with most of what's been said already. Uh, I mean, what should be the percent uh, pieces of uh, revised or uh, up to come uh, connectivity act? Um, I think all politics is local. This is what needs to be borne in mind. So regulators, they should, of course, aim for increasing the speed of uh, approval procedures. They should call on local authorities, incentivize them to uh, establish digital procedures for approvals. Uh, you could also, of course, envisage changes in auctioning, including you know, the full abolition of fees, uh, reverse auctioning and coverage obligations, which are already in place. Some, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't really work. Uh, after all, if you compare the, uh, the revenues uh, that are extracted from auctions with the public funding that telecoms receive um, from the EU and also the member states, uh, these numbers pale, actually. Uh, think of the, the, the part of the recovery fund budget that is devoted to uh, communication industries. Um, at the same time, I can only warn to um, seriously consider to charge content and app providers to pay for the investments that telecoms carriers are supposed to make. Um, I think this would create windfall profits for the industry. We all know that uh, in, in, in particular the incumbents, uh, the legacy incumbents, the large companies, they are a bit slow when it comes to innovation. And if you compare them with their international peers, they turn out not to be so successful. So I think this would create windfall profits for incumbent companies. It would increase complacency on the side of telecom operators. You don't want to oblige content providers or app uh, developers to effectively pay the dividend bill of large telecoms companies. Uh, and uh, I mean, this is the case for the largest companies in Europe. Um, which also show an inclination to prioritize dividend payments over the uh, expansion of their fixed wire and 5G networks. And it seems that, uh, to be frank here, it seems that some telecoms companies, I'm not so much into this, but I, I of course, read a lot about it in the, in the recent past. It seems that these companies, which always ran into open doors in member state capitals, 
have now launched a very forceful campaign um, to revive a 10-year-old demand. Uh, and in this context, let me quote Nidhi Cruz um, from 2014. Nidhi Cruz was back then, you all know this, I guess, you are at least all on the panel, the vice president of the commission, commission's digital agenda. And she explained that content providers are the ones driving digital demand for telecommunication services. And she also understood that European citizens would not demand greater bandwidth uh, faster networks, faster speeds, and be prepared to essentially pay for it at the end of the day if it were not for Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, and Spotify. Uh, Barack back then also came to the same conclusion, but now the Commission and Barack are seriously considering and prepared to erode the principle of network neutrality. And they are prepared to also mimic the lingo of Thierry Breton, who for three or four years is now is vehemently calling for digital services taxes, digital levy, and is actually in, has actually initiated the tech clash against big technology companies. And the arguments are actually the same. You know, certain companies, <coughs> typically foreign companies, companies that are not based or headquartered in the EU, they should pay their fair share. And it's interesting to see that also large companies like, you know, Deutsche Telekom, Vodafone, they even have um, in their advertisements, in their offers, subscription packages to exactly these companies so that they can sell um, um, uh, offers that are based on larger data packages. Um, and um, uh, from my point of view, this is concerning. Um, I mean, we are talking in the largest member states, in some smaller member states as well, former monopolists, which are in a way still in a kind of a winner-takes-it-all position. Uh, if you look at their balance sheets, their assets, infrastructure investments, these are companies that are uh, not easy to contest with regard to their network operations. Um, and now they are actually calling for windfall profits on the basis of a new EU law that we all know once it is there, it is not going to disappear anytime soon. And I think, and to, to conclude here, I think what policymakers need to ask themselves uh, seriously, to be honest, seriously, uh, is um, when we look at other countries, particularly the US, why do we see US companies big and small thriving in the digital economy? Is it because of new digital policies like the Digital Markets Act, um, the Data Act that's being taken into consideration or because of new data sharing obligations, I think a simple answer is no. And uh, I think that policymakers at the EU level, but also at the member state level, and here I'm thinking particularly about the D9 countries, including the Czech Republic, they should think whether there is actually need of untested regulations uh, in the EU at an EU level that could undermine investment predictability for pretty much every company along the digital and increasing, uh, well, the digital, non-digital, and generally the value chain. I mean, we still distinguish between digital and non-digital trade, uh, but I think uh, we should generally talk about trading business activity and not so much distinguish between the two, I, uh, the two anymore. Well, it is getting harder and harder to distinguish between the two anyway. And Matthias, yeah. I do remember very well those debates with Neely Quos and others uh, about eight years ago with what we called the OTT services at the time. Um, 
So, Jacob, you know, if, if, if resources are tight, money is scarce, we're all worried about all the costs that we're facing from coming out of the pandemic. Is it obvious to go after a slice of the pie if you see a big tech company has got lots of money and you want some of it? Or are you waging a campaign? Oof, both. Uh, yeah. um, no, I, I need to catch my breath. There was a lot of um, <laughs> commenting. I try to now focus on something. So first of all, I will give my recommendation to my CEO. We need to be a bit more innovative, um, as Matthias suggests. Um, a second point uh, in terms of innovation, why are we not innovative as, as the OTTs? Well, we're a telco, we're not Apple. We have uh, a different focus on where we want to be innovative. And it's uh, probably not, uh, you know, building smartphones. Well, actually, we just built one with Google uh, and, uh, and uh, the app economy. Um, you know, whenever Nelly Kroos is being mentioned, I wonder what Mr. Breton thinks. Um, <laughs> and uh, the reason is we are talking about a different landscape today than 10 years ago. And we're talking about a different dimension. And the dimension in one sentence is we carry 12 times more data traffic on our networks than 10 years ago. And that begs the question or begs the discussion to have a discussion whether it's fair or not fair that those that profit the most from high quality network infrastructure um, are not contributing in our view sufficient. And by the way, they are paying today in parts. So it's not a new idea that they should pay. They are paying for data transport. The problem is they don't want to pay anymore, at least part, part, uh, parts of them. And that's why we were discussing this. We're discussing this because it's an industrial political decision and a question that I think is fair to discuss, to say, is it justified that what is essentially a two-sided market with us in the middle and two sides benefiting, that only one side is paying the bill? And we talked about the investment gap. We talked about end user prices declining since 10 years. Um, I'm always getting the question, oh my God, Netflix will then increase its abonnement. I'm a bit startled by, by the fact that I never get asked why uh, maybe telcos have to increase uh, their prices or their abonnements. So, you know, we, we won't solve that discussion now. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's plenty of room for discussion in the next couple of months. There will be a public consultation as far as I know. We very much look forward to that. But let me maybe end um, not on fair share, but on the um, CIA, because this is something that's coming now. Uh, and, and I just want to say three things to this. The toolbox, we very much appreciate that the Commission stepped up saying we um, want to harmonize as much as possible with soft law, so to say, um, um, member states' uh, administrative processes on permit granting. The problem that we see with the toolbox is it's an a la carte. Member states can choose what they want to take, as terms of best practice, but they can leave the more harder things on the way. And this is what we see at the moment in the toolbox that, for example, access to public infrastructure, to rooftops, to parcels where we would like to build telecoms equipment, that's still a bit of a no-go in some member states. And so we definitely need legislation, in my view, and, and I'm glad uh, you, you share my view, we need a regulation that's going to be very difficult, I'm sure. That's the same on security. Member states have their own administration, their own ways how to do things, and they don't want the commission to mingle into all of that. But we really, you know, speaking again of the single market for telecoms, if you cannot even harmonize 
the, the bureaucracy at the administrative way how to approve a mobile site and to do that fast and to do it maybe even with a free permit and not a permit granting procedure, then we will never get where we might want to be somewhere in 20 years. So we have really high hopes in this law and we, we hope the Commission is getting it right. I'm actually quite confident this time. And, um, and so this is important and fair share, happy to discuss next year when it really gets <laughs> uh, concrete. Well, it would have been quite something if we could have solved a 10-year debate in an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> but Philip, I think you wanted to no, jump in. No, I just in. wanted to jump in to say something, uh, um, because I was triggered by what uh, Jacob has just said. Um, uh, and there are some clues already of uh, the things the things are changing and we're doing something. For instance, in Barek, and I see some colleagues here from, from Barek, uh, I come from the regulator in Portugal, so uh, they are starting to do that. But the fact is, the business model and the market has changed. This is not no longer a telecom market, it's a data market. And I mean, both of the players, and when I say both of the players, I'm talking about the, the, the big techs and the telecom, the traditional <laughs> telecoms, they have to jump in into the same market, which they are uh, in practicality now. So what we need is to, to review the, the regulatory model, and, I, and here the Commission has a, a, a a say as well, of course, and uh, as, is, as Jacob was saying, I mean, the, 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 the connectivity toolbox uh, didn't solve the problem. It's cherry picking, of course, but it's an in-between process for the Commission now to better understand where the do should go in terms of, of an act. And for sure they did that. It was an in-between uh, solution like the, the 5G security yeah. toolbox, the same, the same approach, and uh, I, I'm happy that the Commission at, at deal with that. But what we really need now is to look into the regulatory models, look into the regulators, and I think the telecom regulators are in the best position ever to take over this digital market and to renew themselves and to reinvent themselves as digital regulators, because in essence, the market is the same, but the business model is totally different. And we cannot ask for others to chip in and to contribute if we don't have the regulatory approach and the business models uh, clear and identified and, and uh, regulated. Well, I have a question, uh, Peter, is for you. Tony Shorthall says, the Connectivity Act has been ready for months. When is the Commission going to send the text to the co-legislators? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I can't say. Uh, it has not been decided what uh, date exactly, but I would expect it in the next uh, few weeks and months to come. Uh, indeed, it will be... Uh, <laughs> Let's say before the, the year, before the end of the year. Uh, but yeah, I think mm. it's uh, on the Connectivity Infrastructure Act indeed. Uh, one is the instrument, of course. I mean, we will certainly uh, go again for regulation, hopefully, and then uh, also uh, discuss the arguments to keep it at that, uh, that tool. And then uh, the, uh, the other points, when we talk about 5G here, of course, it's... Um, uh, the point of permits was made. I think uh, there are some things, of course, that we will review uh, cooperation between the sectors, uh, things that were voluntary that we maybe want to advance a bit more. Uh, but certainly the permits uh, issue, like uh, exempting permits, uh, maybe some tacit approvals where it's appropriate, will certainly help a lot for 5G. And this is something that we are keen on. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, it's about getting it right, uh, getting it also in the right package. And uh, that will hopefully be solved very soon. Svetlina, I think you wanted to add something to that. 
Thank you. Uh, yes, I just wanted to have a few uh, concluding remarks on my side, if that is possible, because I also have to uh, to uh, run them back to the plenary. Apologies for that. As you said, it's a tight week, uh, quite busy. So I've been listening carefully to um, to all the, the speakers, and uh, I think the, the definition that we're already speaking about data market here is quite significant and, uh, and important, which basically bring us to the to the challenge from the side of the regulators what i started with we have to ensure that we have a fair level playing field where basically all the players involved are paying their share and are getting their benefits from that common data market so um i'm gonna go back to what i uh, what i started with uh we need to ensure that the users and the providers of data, uh, the infrastructure deployers as well, they all uh, can um, can contribute and not one uh, deployment be at the expense of only one of the parties playing in that common market because it's going to be unfair and this is definitely uh, going to cause a massive stretch to the competitiveness of the European companies when we come to the global market. And we should not be allowing that. Yes, European market uh, has the com competitive uh, nature in its heart, as it has already been mentioned. But we need to ensure that also on the global market, and we need to protect um, our businesses and our consumers. Having said that, just a final remark: when we're discussing those things and making sure that we build now the fair level uh, level playing field. We don't need to ignore and forget the fact, yes, we're speaking about 5G now, but we have to set the proper foundation for the 6G because we don't want to be in the position in 10 years that we're going to be catching up um, after some other countries who have uh, stepped up and done that, uh, done that better. So uh, if we don't put the, the proper regulations and if we don't have the proper standards and ensure that everyone is giving their share in uh, creating the resilient and secure data market in Europe, uh, then we are going to be in a worse situation in 10 years because the technologies now are moving much faster than the regulators. And we need to um, we need to recognize that and make sure to be able to catch up as soon as possible. Thank you. And uh, good luck for the rest of the debate. Uh, please uh, accept my apologies that I have to leave you uh, five, six minutes earlier. Um, but uh, I'm sure... It's going to be productive final remarks from the others as well. Thanks. Thank you very much, Svetlina. And we know you have to vote in plenary. That's an unavoidable part of the job. So thank you for joining us. And we do only have about just under 10 minutes left. So if you want to ask a question, make sure you type it in now. Um, I will go to one question that has been uh, here for a little while. It's uh, is asking, can you explain why and how in-country consolidation could bring us to a single telecoms market mm -hmm. and what this would mean, I presume... <laughs> no, it's uh, maybe it was a bit fast-stretched what I said. <laughs> um, but what I meant, and I'm going to pick up what um, my CEO, I think he said it in an interview in Germany maybe a year ago. You know, we're, we're always complaining about, or maybe not complaining, the problem is, in a nutshell, for me, telecoms are being taken for granted. They're just being taken for granted. They're here, they're there, they do their stuff. I've, I've once heard, I'm not going to say from who, um, when we talked about how can we you know, raise awareness for telecom, somebody said, well, maybe you should just shut down the network for one hour and then you will get your, your campaign. And your so what I want to say is we're taken um, for granted. We have high ambitions looking at 
the digital decade targets for 2030. And it, it again begs the question, where do we see our sector in, in 10, in 20, in 30 years from now? Right now, what, when we look at this report, we are seeing the sector in decline or in stagnation. And we've seen that on the one time we invest, we invest more than the US in network infrastructure and at the same time we somehow do not capitalize on it. We don't monetize it. We don't have the revenue to do it. And so um, the long-term vision, you know, when we talk about the digital single market, somehow we never talk about the telecom single market. I don't know if it's achievable because it would mean you need to um, somehow harmonize all the different, somebody said today there are 24 different languages in the EU, yeah, so you need to harmonize all those different conditions, you know, somewhere fiber is built through the window, somewhere through the ground, um, um, some uh, consumers like services there that are different from the other side, you have spectrum that is all over the place but fragmented, so the question is, do you at some point come to um, uh, maybe a few operators in the future, that are having the scale to really compete with other um, world regions. So this is a long-term vision. And I would say on the way to the vision, before we come to that, because it's a long-time scenario, I, I fear, we need to look at least to reduce this big amount of operators in Europe. Because again, I think it's not, there is of course the fear always that end user prices by that go up. We have seen examples where this is not the case where we have also pledged, and, and for example, in the Netherlands, to say certain offers stay there even after a merger. It's not only about raising or not raising end-user prices. It's the long-term efficiencies that you can achieve with a small amount of operators. And, and that discussion, and we, as I said, we see it right now happening, for example, in Spain, uh, and we take a very careful look of what the Commission is going to do here. Again, I said Hutchinson uh, or two next year will be very, very important to just get a little, a little step towards the telecom single market. But again, it's maybe uh, <laughs> too far. Matthias, let me bring you in for a, a sort of closing remark or closing word. Um, so, what, I'm also seeing more questions coming in from the audience as well. So, um, first of all, are we taking telecoms for granted? Um, Another question is, will we have problems regarding the energy of the networks? This has been very much told on the media stream. It's just to scare people with shutdowns. What do you think about that? Uh, there's a question from our, from our audience member. Oh, yeah, I would like to pause on the question and energy to uh, my co-experts on the panel. Um, but in terms of a final word from my side, uh, I would like to remind um, the audience policymakers in general, that almost all SMEs, they have to adopt to changing winds, changing market um, conditions, and very often reinvent themselves. While larger companies tend to knock on the door of policymakers and ask for certain policies, regulations that often boil down to protectionist measure. Uh, and I'm not sure if there is always a need to step in by regulators into telecoms market. And my second closing statement is about the wider digital ecosystem. I think policymakers should, in the context of the debate about networks, not only think about 5G, 
should also think about what happens in data markets, in the markets of the huge range of industrial applications and the huge amount of data traffic that we are likely to see that might even surpass the data traffic of the big five, big 10 contributors to data uh, uh, markets uh, uh, today. And policymakers should make sure in the future that all companies across the EU, small and large, digital and non or less digital, um, can benefit from non-discriminatory access to networks and also find predictable and fertile conditions to prosper in the member states, but also outside the EU. I think this is the, the overarching challenge and it should be the overarching guidance for policymakers when they draft their digital regulations, including the revision of the uh, policies impacting on telecoms carriers. Thank you very much. Um, Peter, a last question for you. It's somewhat opening a, a can of worms at this late stage, but does the Commission intend to give more support to Open RAN? <laughs> uh, well, open run. The simple answer is for us: it's it's a market development that we're interested in, that we're looking at. But it's certainly not something that we say we pick and and make mandatory or say this is the choice that that has to be done. So for us, it's we stay technology neutral. But maybe to we can keep that uh, take that one also to expand a bit what it was just discussed about the the innovation and the transformation of the telcos that is maybe necessary and. Well, I've been working in a, in a telecom company and I know maybe the, the, the innovation is maybe not so visible and sexy as it is for OTTs, but uh, the way to, to provide services is challenging. We're now seeing a transformation uh, path, maybe op it will be open run, will be cloudification, will be softwareization. Uh, it will be based on AI, uh, enabling digital identities. So the, the challenges are, are huge. So the, the telcos are transforming themselves. That's something that is happening. And that's, of course, an investment challenge. And maybe then also make the final link, uh, what I found interesting, this um, uh, consideration on the scale. So I think, indeed, for scale, at the end of the day, we need uh, cross-border consolidation or maybe some more pan-European services and, and, and networks. And I think that's also part of the vision of the telcos. But, of course, we see a bit the opposite happening in the market at the moment, that some big uh, groups are rather selling some subsidiaries. So sure. this is, of course, a sign that says, OK, maybe the reason, if we want to have this uh, cross-border consolidation, these companies need to be attractive and, and the, the market conditions need to be right. And then that maybe leads then to, to Jakob's consideration. We have to clean up a number of things. If it's in market consolidation, I don't want to comment on. But certainly there are a number of challenges to, to address by these players and by the, by the regulators as well, so that we get the right conditions and then hopefully have, can make the next step to, uh, to the bigger scale. That would be my hopes. Quick final comment from you, Jakob. Yes, because I open run, I need to say something. Uh, <laughs> very quick, um, it's good that the Commission is observing the market. We still would like to see maybe a bit more support on, on this uh, technology, because it is something that is happening in the market. And we have seen the Commission quite actively taking a stance in other markets, for example, cloud, where there is a, a huge dominance from non-EU players in this market. And the Commission said, you know what, it's still worth it, the effort, to go in there, to pump some money in there with some high-impact projects, trying to establish a European cloud ecosystem. 
This is a bit the vision that we also see for Open Run. We should not be surprised in five or ten years if Europe is not really catching up on that train that we will see a lot of vendor diversity, but they will come from the US and Japan and not from Europe. And that's why we believe there needs to be a, a political support for something that is happening in the market. And we see all these concerns that the Commission is raising, security, sustainability. We want to do that along the, doing the job, uh, but the support is necessary. Philippe, I'm going to let you have the last word, so the pressure is on to say something inspiring and insightful. <laughs> no open run. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think it's funny because, and I have a lot of sympathy for the telecoms. I started by saying that, that uh, we relied on them and they help us. And uh, it's true, sometimes we take it for granted. But at the same time, it's funny how, how Jacob... Uh, first, he attacks the regulators because there's too many, much regulation. There's a lot of regulation in there. Let us be, let us do our thing. And now, suddenly, you need our help uh, for <laughs> the fragmentation that you asked for at the beginning as well. And uh, it's kind of funny. So it's very hard to be a regulator. It's very hard to be the commission as well to try to make everyone happy. So at the end, if I have to do some inspiring words, I just hope that the new directive or the new act will come, will be inspiring for all of us. It will be fun to discuss it at the, at the council, that's for sure. And maybe a new bright horizon will come up with a proposal from the commission. Well, we live in a changing world. We can only wait and see what's, uh, what's going to be actually in the text. And then we will talk about it for another couple of years, I'm sure, here in Brussels and online. But thank you all very much to our panellists. Thank you to you, the audience, and our audience online. This has been a Euractive hybrid conference with the support of GSMA. For those online, please keep sharing using that hashtag 5G connectivity to keep the debate going beyond today's discussion. And for those here in the room, please do stick around for a networking coffee, which will take place there. Have a great day. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> what, what, what fragmentation are we calling? <laughs>